I'm Sandra Smith. I'm Jason Chaffetz. I'm Deirdre Bolton, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, April 8th, 2020. I'm Trey Yanks. In some European countries, businesses are ready to open. In others, the streets are empty. The site of all the bars, the restaurants, the pubs closed, some of them boarded up. It's a, a kind of dystopian scene as, as you walk around, and it's, I think, probably for a lot of people, still quite unsettling. This is the Fox News Rundown, global pandemic. More than 50,000 people have died across Europe since the COVID-19 outbreak first began. With limited medical supplies and overflowing hospitals in many locations, the pandemic continues to shut down economies and tear families apart. Over the next few minutes, you'll get the latest headlines on the virus and hear from Fox News international radio correspondent Simon Owen, who has the latest on British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, as well as what Queen Elizabeth is telling her people. Starting first in Denmark, the country will reopen kindergartens and primary schools next week. The Danish had just over 5,000 total cases and just over 200 deaths. The success of Denmark in slowing the spread of coronavirus is being attributed by the government to a strong health care system with seven times the number of beds and ventilators needed. Now to France, that this week became the fourth country to surpass 10,000 deaths. French officials say that unlike Italy and Spain, a peak there has not yet been reached. Images show overwhelmed hospitals in France as health officials say 30,000 people are currently admitted across the country. The French economy saw a 6% drop in the first quarter, its worst quarter since the Second World War. Finally, the United Kingdom has more than 50,000 total cases and is struggling to meet the demand for personal protective gear. More than 6,000 people have died in the UK. Reports indicate the World Health Organization has fast-tracked a coronavirus test that is being produced by a British biotech company. So what does it look like on the streets of London today as the British Prime Minister remains hospitalized and the Queen is urging cooperation from all British citizens? Yeah, it looks very quiet. Um, you'll still see cars on the road and maybe taxis and trucks, but um, the really striking thing is, is the sidewalks. When you walk around the streets, they are just empty. This is Fox News Radio international correspondent Simon Owen. London, like many of these European cities, has world-famous sites, whether it's the front gates of Buckingham Palace, whether it's Piccadilly Circus in the centre of town. And the thing that is common in all of those places when you look at them normally is the thronging crowds, you know, thousands and thousands of people. It's part of the thrill of London, if you like that sort of thing, is the busyness and the number of people that are around. But all those places today are just deserted. The West End Theatre District, walk around there in an evening, you struggle to get along the sidewalk without sort of having to jostle past people particularly just as the theatre shows start. But now there's no one there. So, yeah, it's really strange. And, you know, there's various things that you notice about it. One thing that struck me is is how clear the skyline is. I live on quite a steep hill in, in North London. And so I can look down to the city. And often there's this kind of hazy smog that sort of hangs over the skyline and all the skyscrapers. That's gone. It's, it's clear as glass and has been for a, for a couple of weeks now. So it's very strange. It's a very eerie time. And also just the sight of all the bars, the restaurants, the pubs closed, some of them boarded up. It's a, a kind of dystopian scene as, as you walk around. And it's, I think, probably for a lot of people still quite unsettling. You and I know as we cover these stories around the world, oftentimes stories that affect people in different areas can shift. They will go from one spot to another. News is breaking in one area one day. And Italy was that area for a long time. 
amid this outbreak. But in recent days, the focus when you're looking at Europe has been on the UK with Prime Minister Boris Johnson in the hospital. What's the latest on his condition? We understand he's still in the ICU. Yes, and he's been there since Monday evening. And when you think about all the various shocking twists that this pandemic has has brought onto the news all over the world, I think one of the really striking moments was this announcement. Firstly, it was kind of interesting when we saw that Boris Johnson had been diagnosed with the coronavirus. He was the first world leader of a sort of major power to do so, or at least to say he, he had been diagnosed and tested positive. Then he carried on working from home and to all intents and purposes, not much seemed to change, at least on a public level. Then he was admitted to the hospital and that was on Sunday evening. And so you look at that and go, hmm, that's a bit unusual. But he himself was then tweeting the next day on Monday afternoon that he was in good spirits. He was just having routine tests, he said. And then it was Monday evening. So just a few hours later, the word came through from Downing Street that he'd been moved into the ICU. And so that suggests that his condition deteriorated pretty rapidly. Now, at the time that we're recording this, Boris Johnson's spokesperson is saying that the prime minister is stable, that he's responding to treatment. We are told that he has received oxygen assistance, but has not required anything more invasive. So no ventilator, which would have indicated a, a more serious turn of events. Um, we were also told uh, that he has not been diagnosed with pneumonia, which again is a positive sign because that's the direction a really serious coronavirus case um, can take. So the updates so far, and it's a situation that can clearly change dramatically at short notice, as we've learned in the past few days. But the updates so far suggest that after this very dramatic admission to the ICU on Monday, Boris Johnson's symptoms since then have at least not been getting any worse. The word stable, I think, is probably the key description. How do you think these sorts of developments affect a listener or reader who's been following your coverage? Oftentimes, when we're reporting on disease and pandemics and war, we talk about numbers and the number of casualties and the number of sick. And oftentimes, I think those numbers can get a little blurry. But when a, a figurehead, a leader, a prime minister becomes ill, it sort of changes the conversation. Yeah, it does. And however hard you try, you know, we've been talking for weeks about the Spanish outbreak, the Italian outbreak, and we're sort of trotting off these numbers where most days we're detailing in each of those countries, you know, 700, 800, 900 people being recorded as dying with this virus in a single 24 hour period. And for each of those people, that is a life lost. And in most cases, there'll be shattered families and people very distraught, never mind the whole grieving process question, which follows and, and you can't grieve in a normal way during this because of all the social distancing restrictions. But there is nothing like seeing somebody you know go through a really nasty dose of this illness to bring it home just how nasty it can be. And so while Britain is, yeah, it's outbreak, it seems to be getting pretty nasty at the moment. And I suspect Britain might have a rough couple of weeks ahead, just like we've seen in Spain and Italy in, in the past few weeks. We don't know where the UK outbreak is going to go, but it's starting to look nastier in the last few days. Still, most people will not have had somebody in their close network of friends and family or colleagues having a really serious case of it. And so suddenly here with Boris Johnson is somebody who everybody knows and who everybody knows as uh, a fit, exuberant, not particularly old 
man has been struck down with this and taken to the ICU. And I think that does bring it home. And I think it has shocked a lot of people, whether they like Boris Johnson or not. And my word, he is a divisive character at the best of times. But whether they like him or not, I think it has shocked a lot of people to see him taking such a dramatic deterioration. You've been listening to Fox News Radio international correspondent Simon Owen. We'll be right back after this. I understand there's some difficulties right now in determining who will take over the governing duties for the prime minister if he is completely incapacitated. Well, yes, I mean, unlike the United States, there is not a clear chain of command in, in the UK. There, there is not an official post of, of deputy prime minister. There is a post called first secretary of state. It's generally a fairly empty post, but it is where you, if you're going to, if you're a prime minister and you decide to fill that post of first secretary of state, it's normally where you put your closest ally, the person who you would want to take over if you were incapacitated. But it's not automatic. And, and indeed, in this case, Boris Johnson has designated his first secretary of state to be the person who deputizes where necessary is the phrase they're describing it. So, yeah, I mean, there's been some talk here, including from one former holder of this role, that actually in this situation, there needs to be clarity about just how much power has been passed down. But ultimately, you know, Britain doesn't have a written constitution. So often when you get a situation like this, an extraordinary crisis, you have to look back on often ancient precedents to decide what's been done before. But the administration of Boris Johnson has been clear that the foreign secretary, Dominic Raab, who also holds this this post of first secretary of state, he is in charge. The idea is the cabinet, Boris Johnson's cabinet, will decide on any major decisions as one. But um, British cabinets have a habit for some fairly robust disagreements. So whether that's feasible or not, we don't know. But but I think it, I think really, ultimately, it, it is pretty clear that Boris Johnson remains the prime minister. If there was some gigantic to be decision to be made, they would hope to be able to get in touch with him to make it. But if not, it will fall on the shoulders of the foreign secretary, this man, Dominic Raab. There's reports in the BBC this week indicating that many hospitals in the UK, like hospitals around the world, are struggling to keep up with the demand of personal protective equipment. There were some images showing nurses and doctors using plastic bags and ski goggles instead of proper masks and hospital gowns. So what would you say regarding those reports? And, and do you think those reports are accurate? Have you been able to match that reporting on the ground? Well, I think there are certainly strains um, on hospitals, but at the same time, measures have been taken to get things ready. And Britain opened a few days ago, a field hospital in East London, took over a trade show venue, a convention center and turned it into a hospital in the space of um, nine days. And that's a facility with 4,000 beds, which makes it one of the largest hospitals in the world. It is now starting to take patients in. And so there have been precautions taken to be ready for that. On the question of whether hospitals can handle it, I think we're probably too early in the outbreak to know because the numbers in Britain are really going up quite dramatically now each day. And so there's the potential for this to become much more of a strain in the days ahead. And finally, before I let you go, I want to ask you about the Queen's message over the weekend to the British people. This was a rare address. What stood out to you in her remarks? Well, the, the general tone of it, I thought, was really interesting because it was quite ambitious. It could have been a really bland 
message about, you know, we'll get through this and stick together and we'll be fine. But actually, the Queen, who delivers these things with with almost an unmatched sort of degree of, of stability and resoluteness, she almost laid down a challenge in this address to the British people that if they stayed resolute, if they showed determination uh, in the face of lockdowns and self-quarantines being cut off um, and the uncertainty, then the UK would thrive on the back of this. And she invoked the spirit of, of World War Two. She, she talked about how during the war, which, you know, she is 93, she remembers World War Two. Uh, families were separated, evacuees were taken away for their for their safety. That separation, she said, was necessary then. And she said it's necessary now. And she expressed thanks to health workers, which you might expect. She expressed thanks to people who are working in essential services. Again, might expect that as well. But she also thanked everybody who is obeying stay at home orders. And she said, I hope in the years to come, everyone will be able to take pride in how they responded to this challenge. And those who come after us will say the Britons of this generation were as strong as any. So it was more of a rallying cry than a sort of fairly bland message. And she invoked as well a wartime song when she talked about better days returning. We will be with our friends again, she said. We will be with our families again. We will meet again. And there's a World War II anthem called We'll Meet Again, sung by Dame Vera Lynn. And, and those are the lyrics there. And that was how the Queen wrapped up her message. So I think it was ambitious. I think it struck a chord with um, a lot of people. And worth saying as well that in 68 years on the throne, she's only given five of these extraordinary addresses to the nation, televised addresses of this kind and when you leave it that long when you do it that rarely then your words carry extra impact when you do it incredible times that we're living in simon i always appreciate your reporting really painting pictures for our listeners simon owen international radio correspondent for fox news radio thanks again simon thanks trey thanks for having me You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.